Welcome to the A-Plus Ed Tech Podcast. My name is Ashley McBride, and I'm an instructional technology facilitator from North Carolina. In this episode, I'm interviewing a friend of mine, Marcia Serkin. She's an ITF from White Oak Elementary, which is on the coast of North Carolina. In addition to being an educator, she is a missionary, blogger, and mother of two boys. I met Marcia in North Carolina Digital Leaders Coaching Network at the Friday Institute. Since that time, we've been able to continue to support each other and learn from each other through the use of Twitter, Voxer, and other digital tools. Recently, she shared a blog post with me about the importance of creating a positive culture in your classroom and school as a whole. I really enjoyed reading her post, but I wanted to hear some more of her ideas, and luckily she was available to do a pretty quick turnaround for doing an episode with me. That allowed me to release this at the beginning of the school year. So whether you're able to think and implement these ideas before your students walk in the room, or even if you're already in the full swing of things, I'm sure you're going to get some great ideas from listening to our discussion. Marcia, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So are you ready for the start of school? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, Today, I have been planning some staff development for my wonderful staff at White Oak Elementary School just to, you know, get them excited about the school year. And I have not put up a single bulletin board yet. So the the school year is not going to happen until those bulletin boards are posted. (laughs) Like how the decorations make it all, huh? Yeah, but that's the final touch, you know. Yeah. I also, I remember you mentioning that you were a part of a school supply drive in your community. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, that you're referring to stuff, the bus, and it sounds like it just a school supply drive, but it's so much more. Um, our goal with stuff, the bus is to make sure that on the first day of school, everyone is ready and excited for school. Um, we, do a school supply drive on the weekends at major um, stores like Walmart and Kmart and Staples. But then um, later on in the summer, we all get together and students and families start lining up in the wee early hours of the morning and they gather um, their supplies in a book bag. It's like they get to go shopping. They have a list of things to put in the book bags and they get to pick out a new pair of shoes, and they get a haircut because um, I remember in the regular classroom, we always celebrated when someone came in with a new haircut, and we always celebrated when someone had a new pair of shoes, and um, middle-class families are able to provide those things for their children, but there are so many hardships today that prevent those Um, just basic things for students this um, at the beginning of the school year and it it just gets really expensive so we want all children to feel fresh and new when they start the school year. So is this something that you do every single year? Every year. This is my fourth year with it. Um, I started um, I saw something on television um, it was Joyce Meyer in St. Louis, and she has this thing where they provide manicures, pedicures, and it just really, like, 
set me on fire. And I went to the partnership for children in our community and said, let's do this. And she's like, yes, let's do this. And then she called the central office and they said, we're already doing this. Come and join our team. So we went to, I mean, they had literally, we had scheduled our meetings the exact same week and had no idea. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they said, come to our next meeting. We love your enthusiasm. We we love your ideas. So we went in there and they had just previously just um, done school supplies. So we were able to bring the haircuts on board and that was a huge success. And then a year later, we were able to obtain a grant from Walmart to purchase shoes and it just gets better every year. Um, our vision is to provide a dental bus for students. Um, we have our child nutrition department come and they get children signed up for a free and reduced lunch and they um, offer advice for, you know, if your children are going to pack, what are good snacks and things to pack for the school day. It's, it's a really awesome day. That sounds fantastic. And <laughs> I applaud you for that. That is, I, I never thought of that before. Um, I know that we have drives and things like that around here. And I've done something similar with foster children, but I've never thought about doing it just for the overall community. So that's that's fantastic. Is there anywhere that people could donate to this or that they could offer any support to you guys? Or is this just oh. a community-based? Sure. Um, we have, we accept funding two different ways. Um, one way, one of the local um, churches, it's not, it's not my personal church, but I, um, we work, we use them as a home base for the, for um, the event, and it's Parkview Baptist Church in Moorhead City. And all you have to do is uh, um, write a check to them, and in the notes, put stuff the bus. And if you want it to go towards backpacks or to go towards supplies or go towards shoes specifically, you can write it in the memo. Um, we can also do the same through the Carteret County School Foundation, and I can... Um, have that in the show notes as well the address for that yes we'll put um we'll put the information for uh sending something to the baptist church or to the school uh mm -hmm. in the show notes on the website so right. thank awesome. you um so turning to what i brought you on for you recently wrote a blog post a really good blog post and it was titled culture is everything uh in that post you talk about preparing for school by thinking about school and classroom culture instead of just prepping your classes like the bulletin boards that you were just telling us about. Um, what made you want to write about this topic at this point in time? Well, you know, culture is everything. And I have been in situations where the culture hasn't always been warm, warm and inviting. And um, as a mother... I really appreciate culture more than ever because I'm just sending my children to school and I want them to really be there. I don't want them to be wanting to be somewhere else. Just and with teachers, I want them to really want to be there um, for my children and for the children in the classroom. Um, our school culture um, really enhances our community if it's if it's a great culture, and um, that's just really important. 
So um, the reason why I asked you on at this time with that blog post was because beginning of the school year, I think it's very timely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you name four types of culture that needs to be built. And the first is a culture of family. What do you mean by a culture of family and how can educators work to build that type of culture? Right. Um, well, there's so many facets of what a culture of family um, is. There's the family within your classroom. Do you feel like you're part of a group in your classroom? Do you feel like you can have that um, freedom to make mistakes as if you are in a family? Um This year, you have um, students who've never been in your school before. You know, do they feel welcome? I once applied for a job, um, and I walked in the building. It was after the school hours. Walked in the building and just took a little walk around, and I could feel it. I could feel that family. I felt like um, the atmosphere of the building was very inviting, Um you know, that's really important. But also you got to go a little deeper than that. Um, are you communicating with your parents? Are you communicating with your colleagues? Um, are you excited? You know, um, when you have your meet and greets for the school year, you want the families to walk in the door and exit the door just excited as they were when they just walked in. You know, you want them to have that enthusiasm for the school year because if they walk in really excited and walk out anxious and uneasy, you know, that really sets the stage for your school year. You know, Uh, there's nothing good about a lump in a stomach and um, a school that doesn't have that sense of family is really easy to spot. And it's a really it's a really easy fix as well. Um, transitions are so important. I did some work with the Franklin um, Porter Graham Institute in Chapel Hill, and that's something that they really focused on was transitions. Um, when children are entering um, kindergarten from pre-K, has there been communication throughout the school year between kindergarten and pre-K to make those kindergartners and those pre-Kers and the families of those um, children feel welcome? Is it a smooth transition? Because the less time that we spend, you know, in the flash welcoming, the easier the school year is going to be for everyone. The transition from kindergarten to first, the second to third, um, everything, um, that's so important. And, you know, we really, that's something that is an easy fix. And I think you're... I think you're right that those those are really important, and I'm I'm just going through that with my kids as well. My mm-hmm. my um, youngest is going into pre K, and then my middle is going just started kindergarten, and then my oldest is in first grade. And I think the easiest transition we had this year was the fact that my pre K well maybe not the easiest, but my pre K. Um, the director came over and met my daughter in the house and talked to her and played with her and did a few things. And, and in fact, my husband sent a video of my daughter crying, saying she wanted to go with the teacher. She's so excited about school now. She didn't want to go at all Mm -hmm. (laughs) until she met that teacher. 
you know, um, home visits is they're so important with especially with pre-K and kindergarten. As a second grade teacher, I did quite a few home visits, not necessarily in the in the beginning of the year, but if there was some trouble or if someone was sick or um, with my families who were of different cultures or, you know, if I just needed felt like I needed to reach out to someone a little more, a home visit always did the trick. So, and they love it because you go and you can see their home. They're so proud of where they live. And that really, like, really implements the whole concept of family. So most of the families were very accepting of you coming into their home. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You didn't have any that were like, no. No, I I haven't. I have heard of teachers who've had that problem, the ones who um, try to visit every student at the beginning of the school year. But, you know, I, I haven't had that problem at all, but you know, I have a way. <laughs> you are, you are charming. <laughs> a smile can go a long way. Yeah. But, uh, you know, another way to get into the homes of families and to let them into your, yours and them into, and, you know, crossways is social media, you know, um, post about how things are going in your classroom on social media, have classroom Twitter accounts, classroom Facebook accounts, and that really brings parents in and, you know, helps them see a little more of you. That's a good point. So we're going to move on to your next uh, piece of culture, and you mention the culture of creativity. What does the culture of creativity look like? Ah, uh, well, you know, it's, it sounds so cliché a culture of creativity, but we have taken generations of classrooms and kind of lost that with um, excess data and excess testing. And the culture of creativity has really given the choice and the voice back to students. Um, And I found that when you do this, the, the data, the data goes green, the numbers go up, everything really falls into place. Um, When I was in the second grade classroom, I did a lot of project-based learning and just incorporating the arts in the classroom and, you know, letting children express themselves artistically, whether it's through song, movement, or the visual arts. Um, For example, we had um, our weather unit. And the children got to create communities. And then they had no idea why they were creating communities, but they had to create communities and create maps of their communities. And then um, because it was part of our weather unit, they had no idea. We had to make hurricane routes of for if there was a hurricane. And then they made up um, songs about the different types of clouds and, you know, just that that project based learning really allows for students to step up their game and what they're really good at. Um, I feel like children are naturally born with the ability to be able to be creative and to imagine. And I hate the fact that in some classrooms today they have to power down and their creativity gets suppressed. So I'm on a mission to end that. No more worksheets and, you know, 
packets. Let's get out the projects and let them have voice and choice over what they're learning. It sounds like you let them play. Yes. Yes. And it's articulated play, though. It's not just like go over there and do something. It's what do you think? How could we? You know, really, it's really higher level thinking. That's good because I I think there's there's a lot of sit in those uh, Hitler rows and (laughs) get the work done and memorize and then they walk out of the room and it's just boring. Why would I want to go to school? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing less and less of that. And that's awesome. That's awesome that, you know, we're seeing we're seeing the pendulum swing back. And I'm happy and thankful for that. That's good. So the third type of culture that you discuss is collaboration. What can educators do to have an effective collaborative culture? Oh, wow. Um, this is something that my staff hear me say all the time. Let's thank, thank you for contributing to a culture of ca- collaboration. Thank you for contributing to that. And they all the time, but it's something that I want to really, you know, we have to model as adults what a culture of collaboration looks like. If you're in your classroom by yourself all the time, you're not really contributing to a culture of a collaboration, but let's say you're a fifth grade teacher and you pair up your fifth graders with a group of first graders or kindergartners for reading buddies. And once a week you get together and work together on those things. Um, how amazing could that be? You know, um, just joking around the hallway with your colleagues in front of students that shows them the culture of collaboration and family at at the same time. Um, Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And the sooner that we can appreciate each other for both of those things, the better off we are as schools. I've been in so many PLC meetings where we just sit and, you know, go through a grocery list of complaints. And we've really just got to get get away from that and think about, you know, where do we want to be and how do we get there? It's not going to just spontaneously happen. It's got to, it's, it's work and and working together to get to whatever point B you're looking for is so important. This year, I really tried to practice what I preached and I joined the Twitter world. And that was an amazing step for me. I had always been a part of it as a school. And after listening to George Kuros in the Innovators Mindset, he, you know, said we really need identities on in Twitter as professionals. So he gave me kind of like a little Twitter makeover and I haven't stopped since. It's like the greatest um, interface to collaborate. You know, you meet people all over the world who believe the same as you and are, you know, they have the same struggles, but you also learn so much about, you know, what's going on in the world, in the classrooms, all over, and what's great. And I, I've, it's like Speed PD. I love it. Um, also, as part of um, the Innovators Mindset iMOOC, I was encouraged to start blogging, and that's something that I've always been afraid of, and I decided to 
put myself out there. So any of you guys, if you're questioning blogging, just think of it as a journal that everyone sees. It's not always easy. I know, Ashley, you've um, said sometimes, I don't know what to write. I'm just going to write about not knowing what to write. But, you know, sometimes you reach those points, but sometimes it's just really nice to just get your reflections out on paper. And that's something that educators, we never um, give ourselves enough time to do that. So this is kind of like a reason to do that. And I like that because you're, you're essentially, you're collaborating worldwide as opposed yeah, to just the people the sitting in your room. So, and it sounds like it's changed a lot of things for you. Well, I'm here talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never done this before. Uh, well, I feel like it's going very well. <laughs> so finally, you talk about establishing a culture of excellence. Now, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. Um, we have to be experts in our field. And we can't do it by just depending on what our school system gives us for staff development. Um, We have to realize that there's never going to be enough time and there's never going to be enough money in the 40 40 hour work week of work week of a teacher. Um, And we just really need to take ownership of that and realize that if we want to be the greatest teacher that we can be, we've got to, you know, sow those seeds Um, as teachers. We need to always have something that we're working on, something that we're thinking about, um, a book that we're reading right now. I'm reading Start Right Now, and it is awesome. I'm highlighting back and forth and um, reading different blogs and participating in Twitter chats and meeting with my group about what I'm reading, meeting with my PLC and with my staff. And sometimes I get funny looks like, Marsha, when do you ever sleep? But, you know, exhaustion is part of the process. And as a technology teacher, I can't let my guard down. You know, I, you have to have a work-life balance, but it, it's always changing. And I want to be the best I can be. But part of that is I want to model to students what that looks like. What does a lifelong learner look like, you know, Um, so that they realize that it is fun to be a lifelong learner and it can take you places and it's self-propelling. It's awesome. But I mean, either have students who just do what you say from day to day, or do you want students to take ideas that are established in the classroom and run with them? I love how you mentioned that putting in that extra effort to get professional development on your own time is really just modeling to students what we expect of them. Because we say that all the time, don't we? We want lifelong learners. Yeah. And then we leave the classroom and we go, well, I don't have time to do more research and to look at more things. And uh, so. Right. I read something on Twitter the other day that said um, doctors do not practice with the same um, techniques that they did 30 years ago. And teachers who teach the same as we did 30 years ago, that is considered malpractice. And I I just don't want to be in that area. I want my children and students to get the best education possible while they're on 
um, the clock of everyone in my school. So you end your blog posts, at least most of them, with some questions. And this blog post is no different. Uh, I'm going to ask your three questions that you asked at the end of your blog post back to you. So Mm -hmm. the first one, what can we do to improve the culture of our classrooms and schools? Who thought of that question? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we can first improve the culture and classrooms of our schools by thinking about what we want education to look like. Um, I love it when Dave Burgess um, says in Teach Like a Pirate, can you sell tickets to your classroom? Not that every day is supposed to be a circus, but your children should be busting down the doors to get there. Um, So what can we do to, to get to do that? And I like to think that by making school exciting again, because kids, because kids really deserve it, um, is major, major. So your second question, what have you done that you are really proud of? You know, I think stuff the bus is tops it off as what I'm really proud of. I was, um, talking to my children about it this week and, they were like, what is stuff the bus? Why do you do it? And um, I was like, guys, when I pass away, I want you written that in, to write that in my obituary. And then we had to go into that. But, you know, one of the number one indicators of success in life is vocabulary. So they got to learn what obituary is. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure that didn't didn't upset them at all talking about your obituary. I might have to write it for them, have it put away. Your third and final question, what advice would you give others? Just be your best. Everybody knows that little, um, that there's that little spark inside of them that knows inherently if you're doing your very best or if you're not. I can walk away and I'm like... I don't know if I did my best today. I wasn't feeling very well. But I'd like to think that most days I really feel like I've done my very best. And that is exhausting and that is tiring, but it's so worth it. And it's so easier to go to sleep at night when you've worked your tail off and done your very best. And if we stick to that, our kids are really going to, they're really going to appreciate that. And I think that the pay will be in our future when, you know, these guys are running the world, you know, do your very best, model that, and our students are going to pick that up too. All right. So where can people find you? What is your Twitter handle and uh, your website, all of that stuff? All right. So you can find me if you want to laugh, you can look at my blog post, marshamorsirkin.wordpress.com. I'm also on Twitter, at Marsha Sirkin. My school is White Oak Elementary School. I'm always updating that, and there's a link at White Oak Elementary School for our classroom webpage. The goals this year is to really work on keeping that 
a little more current as opposed to visionary. I like to post visionary classroom websites and then use social media for the rest. So I'm going to work on making that a little better, a little better. (laughs) Well, I look forward to seeing all sorts of continued fantastic work coming out from your blog and your sites and your Twitter. And you tweet a lot of really inspirational and good things. So I'm always happy to see what you're tweeting about. Thank you. You as well. And I love your podcast. Well, thanks. Now there's going to be an extra special episode for you, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. And I hope that you'll consider coming back to talk about other topics with me. Absolutely. Thank you one more time to Marsha, who was able to come on to my show so quickly after the blog post. I mean, it was within one week that we got a lot of this turned around. And I really appreciate it so that we could get this out to people uh, at the very beginning of the school year. If you would like to follow Marsha, or if you'd like to contribute to Stuff the Bus, please check out the show notes at aplusedtech.com.